Welcome everybody to episode 55 of SB Unfurled and Friends. No, it's not episode 55 for the amount of points that we beat Niagara and Sienna by. That's actually more than that, 67 points. Lobot X here with SB Unfurled. We got the action out of the way. Not only did we avoid stepping on landmines, but we took care of business. Now it is time to head to the birthplace of basketball and take on a Final Four team. We did what we needed to do um, heading into this, which is now the biggest game of the non-conference. Maybe you could even argue the biggest game of the regular season against an FAU team that, uh, you know, you wondered like after the Bryant game how they would do, but they have since been awesome. So this is a huge game. But, yeah, we did what we needed to do. Uh, just really love to see, like, guys fitting into their roles. Um, obviously we'll get into Adams Woods and how great he has been. Um, but you know, for how the two games started and the two games were very similar. Um, these games were tied, you know, seven, eight, even nine minutes in, in both times I was like, Oh, we're gonna, we're gonna screw around and be in like a, a close slug fest with one of these Mac teams again. But, uh, a flip just kind of switched about, 10 minutes or so eight to 10 minutes into the game and we just absolutely took off so we go on like an 81 to 47 that's how we end the last say three quarters of the niagara game we end the last three quarters of the sienna game something like 78 to 45 um but we talked to sam fetterman last week and he was talking about henderson for niagara and ely if he could play for sienna they both played. Um, they both came out and hit a few shots early, and I was like, oh, here we go. Ely's back for Sienna. He's going to mess around and put up like 25 or 30 and kind of maybe not you know, keep them in the game, but maybe keep it closer than it should be. And then after those first few shots, we just absolutely put the clamps down on him. Ely ended up 3 of 13, 0 of 7 from deep. Henderson came out hot as well. He ended up five of 11, uh, not bad, but you're, you'll take that. Cause it looked like he was on pace for 25 plus, but you know, you go on a 31 to three run against Niagara, another 12 to two run. You go on, um, a 14 to two run against Siena. Um, I remember like there was a, a point where it was close and they were playing us even for the first, uh, you know, almost quarter of the game. Flowers hits a three, Venning hits a layup, Flowers hits another three, Adams Woods hits a three in a flurry. And at that point, it was just, um, you know, pedal to the metal for the, the last 25 to 30 minutes. Yeah. Right before we recorded here on Tuesday night, about an hour before, I get an email from Bonaventure saying that Mike Adams Woods was named to the U.S. Basketball Writers Association, one of the five national players of the week. Interestingly enough, one of those five. Enrique Freeman from Akron. So we'll have to mm -hmm. watch out for him later this month. Yep. But getting back to it, it, this is clearly now Mike Adams Woods team, at least for the time being, because he was, he only missed one shot in two games. And <laughs> it's, it's been, it's been remarkable to see how he has gone from being somebody who we thought could get into a bit of a timeshare with Kyrell Luke to being clearly the focal point of the offense. He, didn't miss a three, I believe, against um, against Sienna. Um, mm -hmm. Just yeah, nine of nine from the floor all, all over, and he's he hasn't he hasn't missed a three since his first three against Niagara. Ten straight. The dude is on fire right now. I, I don't know where anybody from uh, Cincinnati thought this would be coming. I know somebody I was joking about during the Cincinnati Xavier game on Twitter on Saturday night. The crosstown. They don't call it a shootout anymore. They don't want to get into trouble. They're crosstown classic, I guess. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I was making a joke. Like, oh, Cincinnati's down at the half. They could use a certain point guard they used to have with Mike Adams Woods. Since yeah. He transferred from, <laughs> from, uh, from Cincy. And yeah, one Cincy fan is like, I, I had no idea this is how he was going to turn out. Like, mm -hmm. going, going to Bonaventure. Like, he was, he was good for them, but certainly not one of the best players in the country, which I think he was. I don't know who he was better, who was better than him last week at least in those those two games but yeah 23 points for him against Siena he had a tremendous game against Niagara too 25 points he was averaging 24 points in those two games I know it's Niagara and Siena but it's pretty hard to go 19 of 20 from the from the field when mm -hmm. you uh or however many he he, he had um 
yeah, it's just, you know, it's, you can't say enough about him. And I guess I just want to ask you, you know, about that point I made where I think this is basically his team as he's the offensive threat to, to watch for everybody coming into the season. We were still thinking, you know, like last year, Daryl Banks, the third was still the number one offensive threat. Do you think Micah Adams Woods is going to sustain this for, I mean, you know, as much as you can sustain this hot streak, but, but do you think Micah Adams Woods is still going to be the number one, most important offensive threat for the rest of the season? Yeah. In fact, I don't think he's ever going to miss another shot again, uh, yes. as long as he lives. I think, yeah, I think he'll go, you know, a hundred percent from the field, probably over the last, what, uh, 21 games. I th- I see a national championship. I see him shooting a hundred percent from the field. Yes. He's on pace too. If you take just the right. Siena game, he's on pace. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, if you asked him, he, it seems like the game is, it seems like he is becoming much, much more comfortable with the offense. Maybe it did take a few games against literally some of the worst teams in the country to make things click and to know where you need to be and to to get a comfort level with all the new players that he's playing with. Um, but, you know, he just seems he's patient. Uh, he doesn't force anything. He plays within the flow of the game. You know, some point guards, it just seems like they're always going 100 miles per, per hour and, and they don't let the game come to them. But, you know, there there are games where he'll, in, in the last few, you know, he, against Siena, the first five, six minutes, you didn't hear his name much. I think he hit an early three, but then, you know, once he gets comfortable and sees what's going on, I mean, he is just lights out. And you, you said the stats, 19 of 20, over the last two games, nine of nine from three. If you go back and watch, not many of those even touch the rim. I mean, he is right. on an, an all-time two-game heater. Um, but it's not just a shooting. Like, his ability to get to the rim, one play against Siena, it's in transition. Uh, he gets the ball off, off a rebound, takes it up the floor. Brown comes up for a high ball screen. And the way he just splits two defenders, gets into the lane, draws contact, and finishes up high, um, the way he's, you know, getting his body control in the lane, his um, body control in the air, uh, his, his ability to finish through contact. Like you'll remember all the shooting and all the threes and everything, but what he's doing outside of that as well. Um, his passes are very crisp. Like you saw going back to the SUNY Amherst game, really comfortable with venting some of the passes he was throwing behind the back. And it was just, it, it just really, really good outside and in the lane also takes care of the ball really well. I mean, he hardly has any yeah. live ball turnovers. That was something that Luke struggled with at times last year. If you think back to like games like the Duquesne at Duquesne, um, a lot of live ball turnovers that other teams really could take advantage of. He doesn't do that. Like he's not really getting his pocket pick. The few turnovers he had is seven to two assist to uh, assist to turnover ratio the last two games. One of them was just stepping out of bounds, which we seem to do quite a bit. And I don't even know what the other one was, but yeah, I mean, he's just controlling the game, giving everyone a lot of confidence and without pride in there the last three, four, four games. Um, yeah, there's no, there's no better time for him to step up because we could have stepped on a landmine and a lot of guys stepped up flowers. Venning have been really good as well, but without pride in there, you need those guards to, um, really play above, go above and beyond. And that's exactly what he's done. Clearly. One of the stats you hear a lot about Mike Adams woods coming into his time at Bonaventure was how he led the country last year in assist to turnover ratio. So I was curious what he is right now. He's he's only 61st in the country right now, only 61st. Like, that's such a bad thing. But that's clearly going to be because he's more of a scoring threat right now for us. So I think, mm-hmm. you know, you, you said it the best. Like, he, his shots go in and they barely touch the rim. I feel like he's taking very efficient shots just from the eye test and the stats back it up. He's sixth in the country, true shooting percentage, 10th in effective field goal rate. Like, yeah. he's clearly picking great shots and hitting them too. You know, he's 33rd in, in just raw three-point shooting percentage. So he is just on fire. And it couldn't come at a better time because this Florida Atlantic game, which we're going to you know definitely get into more later with our next friend, it's going to be our toughest game of the season. Unless we make a big run in the NCAA tournament, this is going to be the best team that we're going to play. 
I wondered if Auburn was going to be as better than Florida Atlantic, but it looks like I think Florida Atlantic has fixed themselves after their Bryant hiccup. But yeah, going back to what you said also with, with Charles Pride, you know, that he's been out for three games. And the question I think everybody's going to be wondering about is if he's going to come back. But I still wonder if he's going to be able to fit into the offense because that was kind of a little bit of my a concern of mine before he had his injury. So if Pride plays on Saturday, what do you think he can do and and try to you know step back in without taking away from uh, Adams Woods' heater? Uh, Dana Valentine was on a ten volt today. Uh, well, this would be Tuesday. Said uh, Pride's still working through the injury. Uh, he's starting to feel better. He's by no means a definite for FAU or the following game, but they're confident he'll he'll definitely hopefully be back to 100% by a 10 play. Hopefully he can go. Uh, I think Schmidt or maybe it was Gary Neese talking to Schmidt said that he would be back to practice Monday. Um, I, FAU has – that's the position. Pride's position is where FAU just – is phenomenal, right? Um, and, and they're good all over the floor, but at Pride's position especially. So it would be great to get him back, even if he's 80, 90%. High ankle sprains are are tricky, right? Like Luke apparently had one and came back, re-aggravated it. You don't want that to happen with Pride. You don't want to re-aggravate it. Um, so hopefully he's ready to go, but I, I think he'll fit right back into the offense. He going into even going even after this Micah Adams Woods heater, you can make the argument pride is probably maybe our best overall player, just the way he rebounds, especially a team that doesn't get much rebounding out of the front court. Although Asa was very, very good against Siena. Um, you need him out there. Just a, a great leader, tough as nails, really good defender. Um, so, and he's a, he's a good shooter as well. I think he was leading our team in threes up until he got injured. So, uh, you know, just just watching the game and practicing and being around the team more, um, I think he'll come back and fit right in. And he's not going to be taking minutes, obviously, from Adams Woods either. So you got to be able to find your hot hand. That's the problem with even like last year, if Banks was off, there weren't many other options from night to night. This year, we have a lot of options shooting wise, right? And you can always have a fallback and you run your offense through venting, but if things break down, you can always dump it down to him. Um, we have a lot of options out on the perimeter this year. So if one guy's off, if Banks is off or if Flowers off, you should be able to find a hot hand. No one should be shooting us out of games. Like if you think back to trying to think of a good example, like a Fats Russell when he was on Rhode yeah. Island, he would totally shoot them out of games. He would win them games, but he would also lose them games. That shouldn't happen this year. We should be able to find some hot hand or two. No one should be going 0 of 7 or like 1 of 8, right? Like we're too good and too balanced to have that happen. So if Pride comes back and he's a little off for a game or two, he'll find ways to make winning plays and he'll have hustle plays and play good defense and rebound and do all of those things. It seems like we're getting a lot of confidence. This is a team that shares the ball a ton. Like I'm really, really impressed with our assists and how, how unselfish we are overall. Yeah. And you said it with, um, you know, just making sure we're getting up good shots. Effective field goal percentage for the whole team is 33rd in the country. So everybody's shooting pretty efficiently for the most part, I believe. And one guy who I wanted to point out too, we've, you know, with all the hype being around Mike Adams Woods in the past week for, for good reason, is um, Asa Esambu. He's, he's, you know, we were worried about him that past few weeks, but he had some decent performances against Niagara and Siena. He had you know, eight points and hit a couple threes against Niagara that got him out of his slump a bit. And Mm -hmm. then he grabbed 12 boards and also had seven points against Siena. I know we can get into, you know, whether or not these were in garbage time or what, who they were up against and all that, but it, it feels good to at least see Asa taking that step back into what he was before. So he was, you know, you know, he was a great three point shooter last year. He struggled so far this year, but shot, you know, Nailed two against Niagara, one of three against Siena. So he's, you know, three of five in that small window there. Because, mm-hmm. you know, with whether or not Pride plays or if he's at 50% and plays like a few minutes, uh, however you, however he is on Saturday, you know, regardless of that, you're going to need Asa to step up, like you mentioned, and knock down those shots because you can't have 
Mike Adams Woods all of a sudden having a bad game and then have him keep shooting the way he has been shooting at least his number of shots because if they're not hitting, we have plenty of other guys who can hit and can take the load off of Adams Woods. So, you know, what do, what did you think of Asa's week? So going into Niagara, the previous four games, Asa was only 6 of 26 from the field, only 1 of 16 from deep. 1 of 16 from deep the last four Yikes. going into Niagara. Really, really um, in a slump. Like you said, since then, 5 of 8 from the field, 3 of 5 from deep over the last two games. Um, his rebounding has been awesome. Um, probably his best rebounding game that we've seen against Siena. Really nice to see him going up, getting the ball at the highest point, like just really attacking the glass like he did. Um, but you know, we, you heard Schmidt a little bit in the preseason and then like even over the summer, like Asa last year was just a catch and shoot guy. And this year he has developed, um, the ability to get into the lane we didn't see it too much. I thought he was like relying, uh, too much on just catch and shoots, Against Siena, he made some really nice plays, you know, getting the ball out on the perimeter, nice pump fake, a couple dribbles into the lane, passes, man, he stops, pulls up from about 12, and just the touch that he has, like I, the ball went all the way around the rim and fell in, just a really, really soft touch. I love seeing him being able to get into the lane and find space within the offense. Um, so, yeah, the last two games have been a, a real pick-me-up. Even the first half against Niagara – I don't think he took a shot. And in the first couple of minutes, Venning took a three-pointer. And I'm like, so we're coming out against Niagara, one of the worst teams in the country. On the road, we really need to establish uh, you know, some dominance early. We come out and Venning's launching threes, and Asa is nowhere to be found. Um, he <laughs> finally got going a little bit, um, but he was, yeah, he was on quite the slump. And he is, seems like he's getting out of it and getting his confidence back. So that's that's really good. Yeah, vetting that three, I remember, was was not like, very What are we good. doing? He, didn't, this is <laughs> he did knock down a pretty deep two-pointer. I forgot if it was against Niagara. Yeah, Siena. against I, Siena. I did, I did get, yep. Yeah, I was surprised by that one. I was like, oh, okay, he, he's got some range. So maybe, I don't know, let's, let's, let's let – we have too many other three-point shooters. So maybe, mm-hmm. maybe Chad can, can work on it a little bit more, maybe bring it – into uh, some of the lower A-10 games later on in the season. But uh, one other final thing I wanted to talk about before we get into, you know, put the weekend of domination behind us and actually get to the actually good team <laughs> is is Miles um, Rose. Miles Rose yeah. finally made his first appearance as a Bonnie. He had some really good hustle plays, and even though he missed a few beginning opening shots or a dunk, he, you know, Kind of came into his own a bit, getting some reps. We were thinking that he was going to redshirt, but mm-hmm. that's not the case now. Um, I believe it was Nathan Solomon asked Schmidt after the Siena game about the redshirt, and yeah, they, they Schmidt wants him as a, a ninth option off the bench for for the guards because of you know, in case there was a really big foul trouble situation or or you know, God forbid, any any significant injury troubles. What did you think about Rose getting into the game and, you know, seeing his first minutes as a Bonnie? Really surprised to see him. Um, but, you know, Pride was injured. Evans picked up three early fouls. And then Flowers also got injured. So you all of a sudden are really down to not much depth in within one game that you aren't expecting. Um, but, you know, I, I think I, – th- I still think Thompson will probably redshirt – I don't think Rose can now just because he played. You can only really redshirt if there's an injury, no. if you get any action. Um, so that, I mean, that tells me maybe in practice he's showing enough to have the staff be like, yeah, this is a guy we can use in a pinch if we need him in a spot. Um, you can tell he has a really quick, explosive first step. Um Seemed like he was on a, a an energy high, which you can't blame him for. His first action in front of the students and a in a you know a, a good environment. Um, so he was getting to the rim really nicely. He'll start finishing a little bit more. Uh, missed a dunk, missed a layup, but uh, yeah, I, I liked what I saw from him. A lot of energy. He's really really athletic. Um, bigger when I saw him over the summer, bigger than I thought he would be. Um, so he's like a legit six four, six five, I think. Um, so yeah, I, I think hopefully he's just showing enough in practice. We said at the beginning of the year, I said, if pride or sorry, if Rose plays, um, if he can crack Schmidt's rotation, 
that means one of two things. We're either really, really hampered with injuries or we found a stud freshman. So I, I still don't think he'll be in the rotation most games. Um, but, you know, I, I liked what I saw in the in the very, very short span that I saw. And Schmidt said that he brought a lot of energy and, you know, you can tell he's very athletic. Um, another thing I will say, um, loss in the Adams Wood stuff, people are naturally going to want Adams Woods now to play 35 to 40 minutes a game. Um, and there are going to be some games where he's going to need to play 35 to 40 minutes, but as an average, we shouldn't want that. There's still a, an important role for Kyrell Luke on this team. Yeah. Um, Luke gets into the lane really nicely. He finds open guys on the perimeter after getting into the lane. Um, he's a pesky defender. He brings some, some nice energy off the bench. He has a role on this team. I, on a normal night would like to see him play 10 to 12 minutes a game. There have been too many teams that haven't had depth at the point guard spot. Luke's our best backup point guard in a long time. You might have to go back to like when Kloof was coming off the bench. Um, yeah, It's very important to use him when you can to keep Adams Woods fresh because as efficient as he's been, the more he plays, the less efficient he will get. That's just a natural law of averages when you play basketball. Um, so I I do want to see Luke getting a good, good chunk of minutes each half, you know, four to five minutes a half, keep Adams Woods fresh. And, you know, that's something that we ran into a lot in the past with our star players just by March, just so banged up and beat up that, you know, it, it really affects their game. So I think we have the best backup center we've had in as long as I can remember and the best backup point guard in as long as I can remember. Yeah, I think Luke definitely has an important role in this team and he's a junior. So, you know, he could come back and learn some things from like Adams Woods this season and like a backup quarterback stepping up the following season. He can, you know, really command the team next year, but he definitely has a significant role to play in this year's team. He had five points against Siena and, and did fairly well after, you know, he's had some on and off ankle injury concerns. If you look at the just the minutes for Mike Adams, what's so between the two games? He played in 37 against Niagara and had 25 points. Meanwhile, against Siena, he had 24 minutes and play and scored 23 points. Mm -hmm. So it goes to what you're saying. Once he gets past that 25 minute mark, the efficiency does wane a little bit. We're splitting hairs on it. Like it was still two incredible performances, but yeah. obviously Siena seemed to be a bit more efficient for him. So yeah, that he, the difference was Luke played against Siena. Luke didn't play against Niagara. So, mm -hmm. you know, at, at, you can't have guys like Kyle often playing 40 minutes a night, every night, th twice a week, sometimes three times a week yeah. and expect to survive in March in tournaments, whether it's the A-10 or NCAA tournament. You, mm -hmm. you really need to have a, at least a seven man rotation. And we have a, we have an, an incredible eight-man rotation, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, at least, if not, if not even nine, depending on how you know some of the bench guys do. But yeah, like we've mentioned it a few weeks ago. The bench guys are are very experienced. Before they came to Bonas, guys like Luke and Flowers have played a lot at Bonas, so Schmidt is going to trust them on the bench, and he's going mm -hmm. to need to trust everybody when it comes to this next this incredible showdown with Florida Atlantic. If you aren't aware, if you were under a rock, Florida Atlantic not only made the Final Four as a nine seed, I believe, last season, right? They were a nine seed. Yeah, they played in the nine, eight nine eight nine game against Memphis. Against Memphis, who they ended up joining a conference with because they were mm -hmm. in. I, I think Florida Atlantic was in Conference USA. Now they're in the American. I'm trying to remember this off the top of my head because these conferences are crazy. Yeah. Conference USA may get UMass in, in two years. Who, who the hell knows at this point? <laughs> but yeah, FAU had a very great run in the tournament last season. They not only got to the Final Four, but they were a buzzer beater by San Diego State away from playing UConn in a championship game. And then who knows, maybe Florida Atlantic could have given UConn a better better run in that national title game but regardless of that FAU is basically what we were hoping we would be in 2022 with returning basically everybody off of this all-time awesome team and yeah I believe they only lost one player and he was a, a role player and Florida Atlantic is going to be like we've said probably our best opponent so you know before we meet our next friend what do you think about this Florida Atlantic matchup oh man they're uh 
they're good all over. They have multiple guys at every position. Um, do a great job taking advantage, forcing you into mistakes, and then taking advantage of it. Uh, you mentioned the 2022 team when we returned everyone. You remember the Virginia Tech game, right? Um, yep, unfortunately. They played Virginia Tech as well, and they beat Virginia <laughs> Tech by 34 points. So, um, we'll yeah, we'll get into the details and stuff, but just they have depth, they have size, they have shot-making everywhere. Um, you cannot have lapses against a team like this. Like, look at what Canisius did when we had a lapse. Florida Atlantic, uh, they will absolutely take advantage if you have just a, a lapse for two minutes, like the end of the Auburn game. Can't have that yeah. happen. Um, they're on a, they, they had an awesome five game win streak that I'll probably, uh, mention when I bring up a question for our our next friend, but yeah, veteran return, a ton of guys, um, good coach. Yeah. It's, it's a tough matchup, but it's a matchup that you want and you want to go into it a week off. You know, I wish we were fully healthy. Hopefully pride can get back, but, um, yeah. I feel a whole lot better because I watch, I've watched them a few times, a lot last year, a few times this year, and I've been like, oh, shit. Like after playing <laughs> UB and uh, like Bucknell and Niagara and Sienna, <laughs> when Bona fans and hopefully not our players, but when fans go from watching those teams to FAU, it's going to be a, like an ontological shock for a lot of people. Um, so hopefully it's not for our players. It's going to be like watching a different sport. It's like yeah. watching it's like watching UMass play football and then turning the channel and then seeing mm-hmm. Texas playing Alabama in football. Yeah. And you're like, how are Correct. these four teams playing the same sport? These are completely yes. different games, <laughs> completely yep. different sports. Was one of these Aussie football? I don't know. <laughs> but I I am excited for this game. I am pumped. I will be in Springfield for it. I will be hoping for this huge upset. And yeah, let's get to our next friend. I'm out in Boca Raton. I'm sipping Roca Patron. I got this chick on the phone. Talking about life and how I just ain't right for her. I've been inclined to agree. Cause all I've been doing is me now. I can't be a one, baby girl, nah. But I play the two or the three now. Give it a dick and I'm gone. I'm like a ticking time bomb. I'm on the road, grind time for the dose, my time. She chip me on, pom poms. She good for We would like to welcome our newest friend here on SB Unfurled and Friends. It is JJ Metz. He is a contributor for FAU Owl's Nest, which is a FAU run site and blog and, and Twitter account. Also the co-host of the Inside the Borough podcast, which is basically the Florida Atlantic version of us. So JJ, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be on. I mean, I've been keeping up with St. Bonaventures this season. and They've been pretty successful this season. I've been, I've watched a couple of, of these episodes um, in the in the weeks before, prior to this one, so pleasure to be on, and thank you so much for having me. Improving our Boca Raton listenership, I love it. Thank you. I don't know if you're actually in Boca; that's just where FAU is located. But yeah, getting into it here, um, you know, it's been a crazy run for FAU in the last year and change. I remember going to the Boca Classic in 2019. The Bonnies played FAU. We came back from like I think it was 17 or 19 points or something like that to to win that tournament. What's it been like in the past? I don't even want to say a year, like the past like nine months for FAU. Yeah, it's pretty surreal. Obviously, I mean, we did something that was very unexpected, and you know, no one saw coming. So it, it, it's it's just great because the school itself is is getting a lot more attention from the fans from the city itself obviously i reside in boca raton and you know before the final four run no one really cared about fau they weren't really the the topic of the town but it's becoming more of a college town due to the basketball success in the last year and it's it's just been crazy i mean i've just been so thankful that I'm a fan of this team and what coach Dusty May has done. I mean, he's really turned this program around and all five of his years, he hasn't had a losing season. So, I mean, it, it's just been awesome. So you are the youngest credentialed media member in college basketball history. So how 
old are you and how did you become the youngest credentialed? What made you want to do this? Was it even before the final four run that you were interested or was it in the last year? Like what's your background? Cause you are very young to be this, um, this, I guess, well read on, you know, college basketball and having credentials and all that for such a good team. So what, what's your backstory? Yeah. Great question. So I, I've always loved sports since I was a little playing or watching and I, wanted i mean obviously i live in boca raton so fau is the local team to to boca raton so i got credentialed about a year ago like i like i started really rooting for the team about two years ago so before the final four run and to see how far it's came is is really good about my backstory i'm from new york i live grew up in a huge sports family and then um obviously just fell in love with fau been going to games for for a lot now like three years and really since then i've i've just fell in love with fau watched all their games and i rooted for this team before the final four and you know it's crazy to see how far we've come yeah and i can't blame you you know i was Six years old, almost seven years old, when UConn won its first national championship, that got me hooked to college basketball. And then I eventually went to St. Bonaventure, which, you know, kept me hooked as well. So you know what? It'll take you far, JJ. So I'm already I'm already proud of what you're doing right now. So let's just dive right into it, you know, with the Owls. We're recording this on Tuesday, so it's before they play FIU. Rivalry game there in, in South Florida. 21-point favorites for the Owls. So unless there's a stunner there, FAU should be okay. What have you been most impressed with the Owls and how they've done this season uh, compared to, you know, what they did at the end of last year? Yeah, so, so far this season, I mean, it's really been up and down. Um, but I'm just so proud of our center, Vlad Golden. I mean, he's really proved why he's one of the best centers in the nation so far this season. He's been just so good this season. And I think that he was the guy that, you know, made the huge step up that we really needed because he's the only guy who's like a true center on this team. And we need size with, with, you know, the competition we're playing this year. He's averaging 16.7 rebounds and he leads the entire college basketball in field goal percentage. He's shooting 74% from the field. We saw him take a couple jumpers in that Illinois game. He had his, um, probably his best week last week with 18 against Liberty, 17 against Charleston and 23 versus Illinois. So he's been so good. And I also think that we're shooting the three pretty well. I mean, this team is centered around shooting three. And that's really the identity of this team, you know, is is taking the ball up to the top of the key and finding, you know, the guards open on the wing. John L. Davis, Elijah Martin have both been so good from the three-point range. And that's what keeps FAU in games. I mean, the three-point shot is... Is, has really improved. I got to agree with you on Golden because I, I remember seeing him during the, uh, the Final Four run and March Madness and all that. And he was, you know, really good against Kansas State. But other than that, didn't do too much. But you look at his game logs from this season and he's been tremendous. And the one time I've watched FAU so far this season was the loss to Illinois. And it seems like the key to that was getting him in foul trouble. That's the only game he fouled out of. As a Bonnie's fan, that would be my number one goal is to get him in foul trouble and to attack the paint with him on the bench. So what do you think is the most the concerning thing for you when you look at the Bonnies and how they match up with FAU? Yeah, so obviously, I mean, say Bonaventures is a great team. They return all their starters from last year, and they have a history of being a good team. Um, Mika Adams-Woods. I believe I might be butchering his name, but he's been so good this season as a point guard, and he can really explode, exploit this FAU defense by getting to the hoop. 
Um, he's shooting 44% from three. And this last week, he combined for 48 points, which is really impressive, which is really just spectacular from him. Um, he's someone that can really cause potential troubles for the Owls. And I think that he's going to be a really, you know, tough piece to, to stop. Uh, Chad Venning, I believe he's the power forward for the Bonnies. FAU does very bad against small forwards and power forwards because they have no one to match up against small forwards. He's been really good. And he's a six foot ten guy who, you know, can shoot from the field. He's 59% from the field, but he, he's a really good player, Chad Venning. He can make good layups. And I think he's the guy that can really take over this game and really beat FAU single-handedly because FAU really does not do well against power forwards. Obviously, in the last game, he scored 20 points. He had a really good game against Buffalo, scoring 23. So he's a really tough player to stop. And the St. Bonaventure's team is just good in total. And everyone is, like, shooting pretty good from from you know the the field i'd say yeah definitely you you look at fau's schedule and what they've played so far you know the one thing that really stands out to everybody is they lost to bryant which is really weird that, that especially because bryant's been through a lot of off the court issues as well losing their coach so what do you think was the problem in that bryant loss I mean, when you shoot five for 30 from three, you're not going to win many games. Nope. <laughs> John O. Davis and Elijah Martin were, were both recovering from an off-season injury. Elijah had a cast for like three months all summer. So he was still recovering, still getting back. But, you know, the shooting was really bad. And I feel like one guy was, you know, I feel like one guy on the team, no matter who it was, just one guy was trying to take over the game. And we played a team, not just one guy taking over. Everyone was trying to be that guy in that game. And like Nick Boyd and Brian Greenlee were, you know, just shooting shots from anywhere they could. And we have to play as a team, get the ball inside to Vlad Golden. And we really didn't do that. We can't have, we don't have that one guy who can take over games and can just single-handedly win. We have to play as a team, and we just did it. I mean, we were up three at half. Elijah hit that great three to end the first half. And then since then, I mean, Earl, Earl Timberlake and um, Sharif Gross Bullock on Bryant were just the two guys just doing everything. Also, free throws was huge. We couldn't make any free throws. John O. Davis got a technical foul in the first half, missed both free throws, and didn't capitalize on that drive that they had. So the free throws were really bad in that game. And just all season, the free throws have been bad. I mean, we we missed 11 free throws in that game against Charleston. We did fine against Illinois. I think we missed four or five free throws. But, you know, the free throw shooting was really bad in that Bryant game. And you got to be able to be more aggressive in the paint because Earl Timberlake was just driving the entire time. He would get the ball on, you know, the top of the key, just fully drive, get to the hoop. And there was no aggression inside the paint. We would just let him score. And we have to be more aggressive on the defensive side of the ball. So the things that went wrong... There are a lot in that game, and that was, frankly, an off night. But you can't have those off nights as a top-10 team against a 1-2 Bryant team who was 275 in Ken Palm. So I just think that was just a game we didn't get up for, and I think we learned our lesson from that game. Absolutely love you quoting Ken Palm and all that stuff. That's <laughs> that's great. Um, after that game, so the Bounties are on a – Five-game win streak, not against the greatest competition, mind you. But after that Bryant game, FAU Most goes of them are on worse a than Bryant. <laughs> yeah, I think maybe all of them. FAU goes on a five-game win streak of their own. Um, four of the five teams they beat were Ken Palm top seventy. In that five-game win streak, 
FAU averaged 89 points per game. They beat Virginia Tech by 34. They beat a good Liberty team by 25. They scored 96 against a good Texas A&M defense, 91 against a decent Butler defense. Not sure how you stop this team, um, but, yeah, you gave us some really good insight. Here's the thing. If the Bonnies didn't have a very good fan base and I was a diehard fan like you are, and all of a sudden we made a Final Four run and everyone was jumping on the bandwagon, I would be bitter. I would. I would not. I don't like bandwagon fans. I'm a Bills fan, and I've I've lived through suffering for 20 years, probably longer than you've been alive. I suffered through Bills losses, <laughs> Bill, awful seasons, depressing, depressing teams, and then they get good, and there's a bunch of bandwagon fans, and they're in it for the social media, and they're taking selfies in the stadium and better seats than I have ever sat in. It really upsets me. Do you ever get upset with the bandwagon fans? Yeah, I absolutely hate it. I mean, I'm in seventh grade right now, but last year in in sixth grade, when we made the final four, we went to Houston. Everyone was just fully on it, like it, and no one cared about it. Like three months before, so Mm -hmm. it's it pissed me off so much. There you go. You know, everyone was like, I'd say. Like half the people in my school went to Houston for the game and they pretended like they cared, but (laughs) they, they, they didn't. And I got very upset because I've been covering this team for a year now um, and been watching for three years. I I haven't missed a home game in two years. So it, it's really, really upset me Uh, mentioning the five game winning streak. I mean, that Thanksgiving weekend in Orlando, I, I was able to make the trip up there. That was just awesome, beating the number 12 team at the time in A&M and then, you know, winning the tournament, beating the number 49 Ken Palm team by 35 points at the time, which was Virginia Tech was special. Um, so to mention that, yeah, it was special. Here's the thing to remember, though, with the bandwagon fans. When you're in every game and you're invested and you are balancing, you know, like uh, health class or home economics class with with the Ken Palm stat lines and all that <laughs> stuff, and you're you're doing that awesome balance that you're doing, and you're suffering through bad losses that these people aren't watching, and you've lived through probably mediocre teams, and you've watched these guys and you cover the team when you're good, it feels way better to you than it does to them. It's a fleeting feeling for them. It's something that comes and goes within a few minutes. They don't really care as much as you do. So the reward for you is much, much, much higher than all of them. So it's good to have the enthusiasm. Remember, they don't have that same ecstatic feeling that you do after all of these really good games. Yeah, I I agree. I'm like, my heart is racing at the end of every, like, Within yeah. the last seven minutes, I I mean, I get really nervous in every game. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I'm not allowed to cheer at the games because of the media. But when <laughs> I'm at home, like, yeah. I am – I am my heart is fully racing. So, I definitely do get – I do get very, very, very mad after the losses and very, 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 very happy after the wins. Mm-hmm. We're with you on that. You know, we appreciate that it's especially not only coming from the next generation, but also down in South Florida, which is not typically a college basketball haven. And Miami also made the Final Four last year, too. So that was big for them. What do you expect it on Saturday? Do you think FAU is going to cruise? Do you think it'll be nerve wracking? Do you think you'll be as nervous as you just told us? Or are you really worried that the Bonnies could knock you off? What do you what do you think of her for Saturday? I think this should be a game that you have to win. And you can't be looking forward to Arizona at all, who's going to be the number one team in the country if they are to beat Purdue this Friday. Um, If they they are to beat Purdue, you can't be looking ahead to Arizona, which is the game after St. Bonaventure's. If you're not, this should be a 20 to 15 to 20 point victory. And it should be a win. Against St. Bonaventures, I mean, this team is the number 15 team in the country for a reason. And I am not disrespecting St. Bonaventures. I think they're a very good team and are definitely a top three team in the A-10. I just think this FAU team is 
should win this game pretty handily. Um, but I wouldn't be that surprised because this is definitely a trap game for FAU. You could be looking ahead to Arizona. It's in St. Bonaventure's Arena, and it's it's, it's it's actually in a Springfield, Mass. So it's a neutral site game, technically. But, but it's, it's closer to us. It's closer to us, and I'll be there. So hopefully, we have more Bonnie's fans and FAU fans. <laughs> Where where in New York are you from? Is it like the city area or is it upstate? Yeah, oh, okay. So are you like a Giants yeah. fan and like a Yankees fan and stuff? No, you've mm. you've adopted oh, you the Florida get this teams. In the AFC East talk now. Come no, on. well that's <laughs> NFC East. Yankees, yes. Well, I figured Jets. Gotcha. You were going to ask about <laughs> Yankees, Knicks, Dolphins. Dolphins. Oh, fins geez. up, baby. You know what? Monday Should have done more tough, recon. But... Hey, whenever you run into one of those bandwagon fans, or even if you see anyone cheering. Ask them to test them. Say, where were you when Bobby Planitis, when Boca Bobby Planutis dropped 14 on FAU? Um, <laughs> ask them that. If they say they have no idea what you're talking about, you'll know by the look they give you. That's your judgment to see if they are a true FAU fan. Ask them what number was Cornelius Taylor. Ask them what number was Jalen Ingram. <laughs> Ask them those things. That's how you test them. If they can't answer that, don't even give them the time of day. Only talk to the real ones. That's what I've learned. Man, I forgot about Ingram. Ingram was good. <laughs> Do you have a pl- uh, favorite player on this team? Like if whoever is going off on us, like we can be like, oh, that's JJ's favorite player, so I don't feel so bad. John L. Davis, okay. who I label a top five guard in – in college basketball. I thought that in the offseason, he really hasn't proved that this season, but he's been fine. I mean, he dropped 25 in the Charleston game and had 20 plus in the Illinois game. But John O. Davis is, is the guy to stop. He's such a good player. The way he gets to the hoop is really good. He has one of the best um, first steps in the country, and he's just such a good player all around great person as well so nice that's cool you get to know these guys that is yeah. great and you know it's a great experience that you're going to get and you're not only going to love it for the rest of your life but it hopefully is going to help you out as you get into high school and college and it's going to be just incredible to you know see how you're going jj and it makes sense too that we have the youngest credentialed member of the college basketball media world covering ever. fau considering yeah ever in history considering one fact i really wanted to get in here before we wrap it up FAU was founded as a school in 1961. St. Bonaventure made its first NCAA tournament in 1961. We made the Sweet 16 that year, nine years before our Final Four. So you know what? That's that is some fun trivia that you got to tell not only the kids at school but just the guys on Media Row there, JJ. Right? <laughs> yeah, most definitely. I mean, it's great to see the history of these schools. Obviously, FAU having a football program since 2001 in basketball since 1991 so fairly new program to a historically you know less new program in st bonaventure so you get a variety of of history between these two teams on saturday and looking forward to the game do you have a uh, real quick before we wrap any funny stories of like a teacher in middle school like catching you not doing your work because you're like looking at you're like drawing a picture of a player or you're like breaking down stats or anything no um i did so i had a school project after school during the illinois game and we're not usually supposed to use our phones but um i was had headphones on thought I, they thought i was listening to music and you know i i had the game radio on so <laughs> the game was going on while you were in school. I had I had a after school. Like, oh, after school project. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, that's dedication oh. right there. They should, yeah, they should just. I I, I, I haven't missed a, a play of FAU basketball, so I I mean of of listening at least. So I I can't. I mean, I all day every second. All I think about is FAU. All I look forward to is FAU football, basketball, baseball, everything. It's my entire like life in terms of college sports so yeah. um i i'm not missing a top 20 20 matchup yeah he's already got a podcast <laughs> he's already got exactly. a podcast it took me 20 years after all the being 20 years old and having to get one right <laughs> yeah 
hey, I, that's on Saturday if FAU wins in heartbreaking fashion or just flat out kicks our ass. I'm gonna. I know after listening to this, I am going to sleep better knowing that JJ is not angry and throwing his headphones and that he is he is a happy man. So that'll that'll help uh, if we if we can't be on the right side of it at least. And they'll forget about us when they beat Arizona the following week too. I'll <laughs> be at that game in Las Vegas. Yeah. Oh, you're going to Vegas? Yeah. Oh, JJ go. takes on Vegas. Nice. <laughs> that's awesome. Holiday's gift. Oh, yeah. that's a perfect Christmas. That's a perfect that's cool. yeah, end of the year, New Year's, Christmas break, winter break gift. That is that is perfect. JJ Metz takes on Vegas. Watch out, Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> Rocking the FAU gear on the strip. <laughs> He's got to go to the, the the big sphere and get the big owl logo oh, on the sphere. Yeah, it's a great it's a great animal to have on the sphere because their heads are very like circular and they can turn like three hundred sixty. Well, what is it like? Their heads can turn like one hundred eighty. One hundred eighty degrees. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, JJ Metz, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at JJ Metz FAU. Also check out FAU underscore owls underscore nest. It's also FAUOwlsNest.com, I believe. Yes, it is. And also the Inside the Burrow podcast at Inside the Burrow. Are you guys doing anything special for this week? Yes, yeah, so we have a weekly podcast um, on Wednesdays. So that's going to be, you know, it's going to be an hour before the rivalry game. It's going to come out like two hours before the rivalry game between FAU and FIU. So we'll preview both games for that tomorrow and just looking forward to a great week of basketball from FAU. That is awesome. Once again, JJ Metz, thank you so much for joining us. And thank you all so much for joining us here again on SB Unfurled. And friends, be sure to follow us on Twitter at SB Unfurled for a lot of good preview content coming up before this game on Saturday at Little Bon X for some uh, typical Twitter nonsense. Be sure to also subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever else. I forget them all. He's all the time to rattle them off. But yeah, enjoy the trip. If you're going to the Basketball Hall of Fame, enjoy the trip to the birthplace of basketball and hopefully St. Bonaventure will pull off a win. If not, you know what? Congratulations, JJ. But otherwise, we are hoping for a Bonnie's win here. So thank you all so much for joining us. Yeah.